Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Today in our Food as Medicine series, we are going to talk probiotics. Yes, probiotics fall under the food category because that's how it's classified by the FDA. Probiotic use is likely the most commonly asked about topic during my initial patient consultation. And should I take a probiotic may also be the question I get asked the most by family and friends. And while it seems like a simple question, as I will share in the next few minutes, the answer is not that straightforward. The reason behind the difficulty in giving good advice on probiotics is multifactorial but it includes a lack of well-controlled studies and a very diverse probiotic marketplace with limited standardization and regulation. In other words, there are a lot of commercial probiotic options with variable dosages and active ingredients out there, but very few that the scientific community has actually proven to be effective. So most of our guidelines and guidance as GI providers comes from expert opinion, consensus statements, and our own clinical anecdotes. I'll try in this episode to share my clinical guidance and my clinical experience. A few years ago, it was just probiotics. Now there are prebiotics and symbiotics. Trying to keep it simple, probiotics are the actual good bacteria and I have good in quotation marks. Prebiotics are nutrients that create a healthy environment for the probiotics or bacteria. And symbiotics is a combination product of the two, both pre and probiotics. Are you already confused? Well, for the remainder of this episode, I'm just going to discuss probiotics. Most currently available probiotic products focus on a few types of bacteria, that are believed to be the ideal good bacteria for our microbiome. Again, good in quotation marks. As many believe the microbiome is a key component of our innate defense, probiotics appear to work by enhancing our immune system. Common bacteria available in popular formulations include lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. There's also a yeast-based probiotic, and that's based on the strain Saccharomyces boulardii. Okay, so now that we have defined what are probiotics versus prebiotics and symbiotics, as well as described the generally accepted mechanism of benefit, which is enhancing our immune system, let's go through some GI diseases. I would start with pouchitis because that is where the evidence favoring probiotics is the most established. APR and Quilter and I did an entire episode of pouchitis, so I would recommend listening to that if you want to learn more. But briefly, pouchitis is a specific condition in post-operative proctocolectomy patients. We see in our ulcerative colitis patients who have undergone a proctocolectomy. This is really the only condition that I confidently tell my patients that the scientific literature clearly supports the use of probiotics. Ironically, this confidence is still based on only a few studies. And I want to say probably less than 200 total patients even studied. 
But even at this small number, probiotic trials in pouchitis are more convincing than trials in other GI conditions. Interestingly, while probiotics appear to work in pouchitis, their efficacy is less clear in inflammatory bowel disease. If you go strictly by published literature, there is some potential for benefit in ulcerative colitis, while the data in Crohn's disease is less convincing. In non-C. difficile infectious diarrhea, the data is even more strikingly opposed to probiotics. On the other hand, in C. difficile, I do consider probiotics in the post-acute infectious phase whenever recurrent antibiotic exposure is to be expected. In other words, if you've had C. diff, you've recovered from C. diff, and now you may be going on antibiotics again, I tend to sometimes discuss concomitant probiotic use. I will caution that there's no data to support this strategy. I do not use probiotics along with antibiotics during the initial treatment of C. difficile. The other two conditions where I have also anecdotally found benefit with probiotics are mild constipation and irritable bowel syndrome. The scientific data in both of these conditions is limited. With mild constipation, I will sometimes have my patient consider the least expensive over-the-counter probiotic their pharmacy has and do a limited time trial. I think the key is to do a limited time trial. For IBS, I believe the future will involve a personalized probiotic or symbiotic regimen based on individual microbiome deficiencies. This is an area where I know I need to learn more. I know many of my GI colleagues feel the same way, and I do believe we will learn a lot more about this in the near future. You know, actually, that last statement may summarize how I feel about the topic of probiotics as a whole, that I hope we will learn a lot more in the near future. The concept of probiotics, prebiotics, symbiotics, it's great. It's a great, great idea. It, that is to specifically enhance the microbiome, boost our innate immune system. But we remain limited in our ability to fully utilize this tool. Part of this limitation is due to the lack of regulation and quality control, since the FDA classifies probiotics as foods and not drugs. This means commercially available options do not need to pass through the FDA rigors of typical pharmaceuticals. The other limitation is that we still need to fully grasp the nuances of the microbiome and understand how to supplement patients in a personalized fashion, not simply with blanket probiotics. Before I wrap up this episode, like with any intervention, it is important to discuss side effects and alternatives. Unfortunately, I'm not sure if we truly know the side effect profile of probiotics, since there is such variability between products and a limited number of placebo-controlled trials. The one side effect I do discuss with patients is cost. And again, side effect in quotations. Like many therapies for GI conditions, that are expensive, probiotics are no exception despite being over-the-counter. I often remind my patients of this expense, as I do with other supplements and less evidence-based pharmaceutical approaches. It is important if you're going to try a probiotic for one of these less researched conditions that you track your symptoms closely and do it for a defined period of time 
so that you can make a true decision on the benefit of probiotics and make the decision with, in conjunction with your provider. I also tell people, if you're going to do probiotics, don't do them with another variable because you will not be able to easily tell if the probiotic worked or if it was the other variable or therapy that worked. Finally, when it comes to alternatives, listeners of this show and my patients know how I value yogurt. I believe yogurt may be, especially one that is cultured at home and not processed, can be a natural reservoir of probiotics. If you download my episode on yogurt, you will learn fast that I believe yogurt may be beneficial in a variety of GI conditions. However, I do believe probiotics may have some benefits over yogurt. First, there, there are a handful of patients who cannot tolerate yogurt due to lactose intolerance or simply cannot stand the taste of yogurt. Secondly, not all of the probiotics or bacteria found naturally in yogurt can make it past the acidic environment of the stomach. Engineered probiotics may be better at bypassing this acidic environment. Okay, so I think I went longer than I was expecting to. This, of course, becomes a challenge when I'm not interviewing one of my colleagues in an episode, but rather doing a topic by myself. But I also believe this topic of probiotics is not straightforward, and there are many nuances here. I would caution my listeners not to be swayed one way or another when it comes to probiotics by simply listening to today's episode, because there's a lot of variability. There are different types of probiotics, and each of you will likely respond differently to them. My advice would be to let your provider know if you're interested in taking a probiotic, or if you're already taking a probiotic, and then you and your provider can make a team-based decision based on cost, symptoms, and evidence, both scientific and anecdotal. Thank you as always for listening to the Gut Doctor podcast. I really do appreciate it. I hope you found today's episode helpful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.